from worlds beyond to right at the gaming table. These are all my fantasy children. Come all to all my fantasy children. My name is Aaron Catano Sayas. And my name is Jeff Stormer. And this is All My Fantasy Children, a tabletop inspired world building, character creation, and storytelling podcast where each week Jeff and I take your brilliant and amazing listener submitted prompts and spin them into the most incredible story ever made each episode and use that story to develop an original fantasy world that we've named Fantasy. Doing some, I was doing some real strong arm gestures. I don't know if it's coming across. It's coming across. I'm seeing it on my waveforms. There's this weird interference, and it can only be described as, it's called the flex wave. I'm committing to the flex wave pretty hard right now, because I'm feeling the I'm feeling the energy today, Aaron. I, gotta, I am I, as well. I'm, I'm pretty psyched. Fucking yes. I love that. Uh, why are you so psyched? What's the energy you're feeling? I, the energy that I'm feeling is just like, I'm excited to be sitting down with you. I'm excited to be recording today. Like, I've got some cool ideas. We've got some great prompts to play with. I'm just, I got the energy today. <laughs> I love that. I, I too, I was feeling a little doo-doo brown today, but then I ate what's be- getting me excited this week. And it's an entire fucking papaya. This is day oh, two God. Of, of Aaron eats a whole papaya. Legitimately, legitimately very jealous. They're, they're so good. And like my grocery store near me, shout out to Food Galaxy, um, sells papaya for like relatively cheap. And so I've just been getting them for like three fifty, just crushing them. Papaya juice. Yes. One of the most heavenly beverages that I've ever had in my life. Yes, 100. And that's what's getting me excited this week is, you know those days when you're like, God, I need to do this. I really should be doing that. And you just don't have the energy to even, we're like starting a project oh, or yeah, a simple 100%. task is like so daunting. Uh, so you never fucking do it. I've been trying to do little things because I keep falling into that rut lately. So lately I'm like, yo, I'm just going to go do one thing that I really want to do. And today... It was go get a papaya. <laughs> so I just did. That's that's hype. That's that's the life, though. That's it living. is. It is. You know, doing what you want, eating papaya when you want it. That's the all my fantasy children. Sometimes way. you just want to eat a papaya. You really do. But finding that like push to be like, I'm not gonna do it. You know, I'm not gonna like leave the house and go to the fucking grocery nah. store. I'd rather be like sad. No, fuck that. We're conquering that love, that energy, and we're replacing it with big papaya energy. Big papaya energy <laughs> is the way to live. It is. What's getting you jazzed up? What's getting me excited? This you'd think I would ha- like know the answer to this question because I know it's coming up because I've sat down in it, but I still like need a second to think about it. Is it the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? <laughs> is it? You know what the energy was <laughs> inside spin, of us all along. Let me spin around. Let me spin my chair around. <laughs> I had some I had some chips recently. What kind, the, please? Uh, Don't just leave me hanging on chips. They, they were they were they were seaweed chips. Oh, welcome to Aaron and Jeff Snack Corner. Like flavored with seaweed? Yep. Um just it took me to another place. They transported you? Transported me. Fucking god. Yes. I I was alive. <laughs> there were two sections of my life before I had seaweed chips <laughs> and after I had and after I woke up. Yeah, I totally had these seaweed chips. Blacked out, 
Four days later, here we are sitting at this microphone. Had these seaweed chips, woke up in a fleshy, in a fleshy bubble. A yep. robot came down, threw me into a waterfall. Yup. And then picked Amazing. you up with a grabby arm. <laughs> and now you're aboard uh, the Nebuchadnezzar. Welcome, yeah. Jeff, to the desert of the Ryu. I, it's great. They were, they were great. Uh, they just, they made my whole day better. That fucking, that's awesome. I love that such a tiny thing can literally change your day. Like a papaya and a bag of motherfucking chips can really change your day. Change. And you know what else? You know what the other thing is? You know what the, my, you know what my, I'm going to do a thing to treat myself today thing was? What is that? I had, uh, some cola. Oh, what kind? Uh, just like your traditional cola. I'm not saying the name, the brand name, because they're not fucking paying us. But like oh, okay. a traditional <laughs> cola flavor. It was a Coke. I had a Coke. I had. Yeah. A, I had. Let's say we are so small. It's not like anybody's gonna be like, "Hey, whoa." <laughs> I had a. I had a. I had a can of Coke. Okay. And I went and grabbed it. I had had kept it in the fridge. I grabbed my ice. I grabbed my glass. And I saw next to it, Jen buys these. They're not maraschino cherries. They're mm-hmm. like the like the sa- they're not quite the sour cherries. Mm-hmm. I forget the name of them, but they're like she has like a jar of the cherries, and I just made a cherry coke. I support this so much. It was like the peak of my day. Like it's just a spoonful of the syrup that the cherries are sitting in. Two of the cherries themselves. You drink the whole cola. You 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 grab a fork. You dig out the the cherries have been soaking in the coke for the whole time. So you eat them. They get Give a little bit of that fizzy little pop, little pop to the end of them. <laughs> Let it be known to AMFC uh, lore enthusiasts that, Jeff, this is not the first time that this is what's getting you excited this week, but that's a very good thing. Like, that's my point is that that fucking bangs that you are, one, treating yourself from something from Jeff and Aaron's Snack Corner, and then you're holding on to it. This is not a fly-by-night romance. No, like, really, truly, like, the joy of, of I'm, I'm going to take this thing that I like and, like, elevate it just a little bit. Of course, yes. As I, as I set down my phone and create the world's largest noise, it's great. <laughs> What's getting me excited is just, like, adding background noise to this episode that Aaron's going to have to, like, try and edit out late. Nah, joke's on you. I'm keeping that whole sentence in, because I want our listener to know what's getting me excited this week is... Just them hanging out with me while I'm editing. <laughs> I've got, I've, and it, that's great because I've got this entire wheel of Parmesan that I'm going to grate. <laughs> that would be actually kind of awesome to hear. The worst sound I always feel like to edit out is anything that happens out the fucking window because it's oh. just loud enough. I've accepted as an edit, like a podcast editor and somebody that does this like for a job. Mm-hmm. I have accepted. If some shit goes on outside of my window, then that shit just happens in the podcast. Yes, exactly. I have fully just accepted that fate when it comes to AMFC. But what's also getting me excited this week is uh, quiet evenings. Because right now, not a motherfucking peep can be heard out my window. And bless us all for that. So, Jeff, why don't we got a prompt this week? We do have a prompt this week. Uh, We've got a few different prompts this week because... I've kind of got like a larger topic I want to talk about inspired by a prompt, and then I want to dig into a few uh, more specific prompts to kind of flesh this out a little bit. I live for it. Hit me. Our prompt comes from TG Reaver on Twitter, and it's road trip, conveyances, roadside attractions, tourist spots, and ways to pass the time without killing your travel companions. I love that. Aaron, the thing that I really want to, the framing device of this episode. Because you've sent me two very wonderful prompts that are not this prompt, but like I had a pitch that I really wanted to get on mic. 
Yeah. I want to give, I want to talk about, like, travel and the world. And I know that we talked about it in a recent episode, but, like, a thing jumped out to me that is, that is sick. So, a brief, a uh, 30 second, like, refresher. Yes. We talked about the world and its geography and the way that it changes every couple of years. Basically, like, if you imagine a map of the world, it's like a deck of cards that you laid out in, like, a 10 by 10 grid. And every 20 so years, every once a generation, we said, like, Somebody picks up that deck, shuffles all the cards, and then reblaze them out in a 10x10 10 10 grid. That is correct. And we said that a thing that is, like, a grounding element in the world is memory, right? Like, mm-hmm. is the idea that, like, if I know a specific piece of memory, if I have a memory associated with thing, it grounds that in a— like, my will on the universe grounds that to a certain extent. Yes, to a certain extent, absolutely. So, what I want to propose to you, Aaron, is that that means that, A— Roadside attractions are essentially traveling carnival acts. Oh, baby. And B, are also, like, the roadside attraction as an object is also, like, a very important grounding point for people traveling place to place. If I have made the world's largest ball of twine. Yeah. A, that, like, like the idea, rather, in our world, the idea of making, like, the world's largest ball of twine off of the highway is that you catch people that are traveling on the highway. Here, it's that... In 10 years, I might have an entirely new audience coming to visit the world's largest ball of twine. Oh, my God. It's like automatic. Like, you travel from town to town, even if you didn't go, you, you didn't even take a step. Yeah. You just, you're just, just somewhere every, else. Every generation, a whole new bunch of people are like, wow, that is a giant ball of twine. Jeff, do you know what Brigadoon is? I do. It's the island that disappears. It is this, essentially these uh, roadside, these rest stops and these, like, attract, these tourist attractions are Brigadoon, where, like... You know, me and you are just sitting having a picnic and all of a sudden like what appears before us is like fantasy's largest potato. It's like a is like uh is a giant is a giant donut that we're yeah. like, whoa. You're like, whoa, and they're like, come gaze upon the world's largest donut. And you're like, hey, fucking don't mind if I do. <laughs> Look at this potato that looks like Big Jeremy. And you're like, Well, that does. Holy well, shit. Damn. damn, I'm gonna grab a snack and a t-shirt on my way out. So it's almost like, it's, wait, what you're describing, Jeff, is essentially that these tourist attractions, carnival style, but they like, it feels like they come to you. They do. Like, imagine a roadside attraction that just appeared in your backyard. But then the other half of it that's super interesting. <laughs> horrible, but great. The other half of that that's really A, funny and B, interesting is like a roadside attraction then becomes like travel. Like, roadside attractions become really important to the act of traveling because it's no longer, like, you have to look for this one specific thing. It's, you're going to look for the, if you can find the biggest ball of twine. Yeah. Then, like, my childhood home is about two miles away. Oh, shit. They are also, like, these weird memory anchors that tie locations together. Because there are specifically a really big, weird fucking thing. Like... Like we like some of the examples we used in that other episode about geography were things like if I find this waterfall, then I'll be able to know these other three things. But like, think about how much easier that is if it's well, there's a three foot tall ceramic statue of a lumberjack. If I can, yes. if you find the lumberjack statue, <laughs> okay. So that is fucking awesome because I love the idea that we've mentioned that travel and fantasy is challenging and it's like long and arduous, like. Area between points of light is, like, vast. You know, it can take you a very long time to travel by fucking wagon, you know, or whatever, or by foot. And so I feel like my pitch on this is 
Jeff, there's a lot of these. Oh, absolutely. I like, think there's that, a like, lot. <laughs> I think, and I think. <laughs> like, there's Aaron, a lot, Aaron, a lot. Are you ready, Aaron? Are you ready for the most Aaron specific reference that I can yes, make? Yes, I am. I imagine that, like, if you were to, like, look at, like, a lot of not necessarily, like, decorative family heirloom maps, but, like, usable maps by people that travel places and, like, mm-hmm. road maps. Yeah. They're kind of, kind of look like the map to crust, like, the crusty land <laughs> map. <laughs> yes! From that episode of The Simpsons. Yes! <laughs> it's just, like, here's the giant donut is here. Three miles away is... Oh, my God. These things are actually, like, invaluable. Because, because that's how you, you map, like... You can map out a trip, not by, not by we're going over this mountain, but by like, all right, once we hit the ball of twine, then we know that we're only about three miles away. Jeff, can I make a big, wild, ridiculous pitch? Please. People do not run these. It's some sort of other being or mystical spirit. See, I want to pivot on that because I think this brings us to our other prompts. Because how do they mix in with like different generations if you know where the fucking, it's like, I took my father's mantle as the guy who like sells, <laughs> like shows people to the giant fucking donut. My family, my family mission. So, so that brings us to the other prompts, the ones that you submitted, which are: I think that the equivalent thing to a roadside attraction in a world of fantasy is just a weird, inexplicable, magical thing. Yes, like, and it's not necessarily like consciously run by something. But, like, the other, the two prompts, if you'd like to read one of them, like, I think they just had the end, they were part of, like, why I was thinking about it was because they just had the energy of, okay, like, a thing that you cross on the road that you're like, oh, shit, yeah, that's a, that's a roadside attraction. So what you're presenting, then, is that these are less of, like, come on, come on, like, what we think of, like, when you're driving through, you know, like, rural areas of the United States, and you see, like, stop here, for like, you know, the stop here for the Springfield mystery spot. <laughs> yes, that kind of feel where like you pull over and you get it, you pee, you grab a snack and you take a look at the world's largest potato. This is more of landmarks, but like mystical, magical. Yeah, ones. like the mystical, magical landmark. I do also want the world building detail that there are 100% giant donuts that are family run. Oh, of course. They're like, they're not necessarily what we're going to be digging into. Maybe, maybe they are. I don't want to limit us, but like. I think that there are, like, those sorts of landmarks are really important just because, like, they are things that are so fucking weird. Yeah. That, like, if you run into, you know, uh, if you run into, like, the tar pit, you're gonna be like, well, yeah, okay, and once I find that, then everything else kind of maps out around it. Okay, so what you're, what we're actually talking about in a very silly way is, like, a very common, like, uh, tool when making, like, fantasy maps. That there's, like, in between points of light, there's, like, dungeons and things and tombs and you know monsters and crap like i play elden ring the map is gigantic there's like random stuff in between like towns and important things there might just be like a really big tree a really big hole you know what i mean oh i love a good mystery hole yeah (laughs) jesus so this is very appealing to me in terms of like the map because it, it it what it what it tells me is that because we're pulling from like like carnival joke feel that we had, we're like, come on, come all. But it's more so about these things. The reason why they've stayed in one place, perhaps, because you said memory like anchors things, mm-hmm. is the myth associated with them keeps them in one place. That's sick. And that ties into the the lore of the show and of like the world lore of the world in such a cool and like notable way, which is that like 
hometown myths like have a yeah. tangible weight to them that's sick. Yes. It, it that that storytelling and that creating of a myth, a legend and spreading it, it's ex- it's essentially exerting one's magical will into the universe and it makes it literally stay in one spot. It like goes against that whole breath of the world where the map shifts. It like to to create a myth around a place, even if in reality it's mundane, makes it magical and therefore anchor something in an ever-shifting world boop to one spot forever and that is dope and i feel like that is how like you said a map could be made of fantasy because it's like everything is shifting around these sort of cool and also silly things like you know if there's like we we men- i mentioned once in a solo episode there's a mountain called the apex of creation that people mm-hmm. go and climb and you know there's legends around it so that doesn't move but the everything else around it that might not have a story attached to it shifts. It's like putting a pin into one, like in that in that analogy of the ten by ten grid of cards. It's like putting a pin into one of those cards and then grabbing all the others and being like, well, that card's locked in place. Yes, or even like cutting out one of the clubs. Yeah, and putting a pin in that, so the other cards might move like behind it, but that one club stays in the same spot. Yeah, that's sick. I love this a lot because here comes a motherfucking prompt. Uh, this one is from Ace the Ace from our Discord. Prompt. The stone statue seems so lifelike, till one day the outer layer chips and everyone knows how alive they really are. That bangs. That's sick. What does the statue look like? The statue? Is it, It's clearly a person. It says it seems so lifelike. It unless is. it's like an animal. I'm getting... I have not played the game. I've only seen art. But I'm get, I immediately get Elden Ring Vaught. Like... Those sort of, like, big, weird, armored, strange-looking design, like, pops into my head. Okay, so it's, like, a, a, a monstery thing in, like, full metal plate? Like, you know, in full armor? Some kind of, like, twisted, mutated knight? I, I kind of like that. I think that the, the, the thing I want to throw against that... Yeah. Does it chip away once to reveal a, light, a living thing, or is it, like, a, a reoccurring thing? So, I would say to one day, the outer layer chips and everyone knows how alive they really are. Is it like a piece of the chip comes off and you see like, you know, it's flesh underneath? Or is it like it walks again? It moves? Was this an actual monster that someone sealed in stone? Is this a person whose punishment after like committing some evil act was, like, punished by stone. I, for some reason, I love being punished by being frozen in fucking stone. Is this someone who saved a town and, as a result, was turned to stone? Like, some kind of, or some kind of Medusa-like plot. Is it a vampire? <laughs> uh, it's actually the moon. Okay, great. And no. it's sentient, and it's ready to kick some ass. Yeah. Um, I love the idea. What, like, what pops into my head as sick related to the like turning to stone thing and related to the idea of like a hero who turned into stone what if this was a different spin on like a mascot <laughs> okay okay i so a mascot being like someone who's given power by the community yeah like let me like here's the pitch that i got for you yes this is a person that like they did a i love heroic thing turn them into stone and, like, what if the heroic thing that, like, was lost to the ages because the breath of the world carried this town away okay, was that this person in this armor did a thing to save their town and the power that they were given was that, like, 
when they were needed again. You know what I mean? Like that oh, peak, when like, they were needed again, they would when, rise. Yeah, they rise when they are needed again. And everybody like, but it was so long that people were just like, oh, it's a cool, weird statue. And like the community around them like disappeared. And people were just like, oh, this is a cool, weird statue. Oh, shit. And then like comes to life. Puts a sword in, like, an eldritch monster, and then it just, like, sits back on a rock and is like, all right, that was that. May I make a big pitch? <laughs> yes. This statue, long ago, was the protector of a town. Whether or not this is a person, some kind of god, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. some kind of supernatural being, perhaps. Like, maybe, like, what we'd think of as, like, a god in a pantheon. This town viewed this person, this being, as its, like, protector. Kept it safe from, basically, it was Superman to this metropolis. Yeah, 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 Just for sure. This, this being of great power that kept the town safe, was, like, the patron of the town, every, essentially, a mascot without the suit. Not a real mascot, but, like, everybody knew about this per, this being. When the town needed them, I want to get dice. It's been so long since we've rolled for Let's a roll character's some dice. Yeah, right? On this ostensibly tabletop RPG I know. show. All right, I got a five, so they them. Uh, when the town needed them, you know, they would always rush in and save the day, and everyone, yay, like, you know, classic hero story, but then would disappear. This is such a, I, I really am trying to lean into this idea of, like, the people of the town saw this being as a god, and they mm-hmm. might have been. Gods were real once. Gods were real once, and then one day made this grand act, you know, and sealed themselves away or something happened and they were locked in this stone, you know, pose outside of the town. But as the town moved, the myth around the statue stayed the same. That one day when the town needed them most, they would rise again. And then one day, far, far in the future, the, the, the rocks break. But the town that originally this god protected is not there anymore. Yeah. And now they have to find it. Like, what if it's, like, more elemental than that? Okay, like what? Tying into the idea that, like, this is just, like, becomes, like, just a natural feature. What do you, oh, like, the statue is just a natural feature? Yeah, like, what if there's no finding this community and it's just, like, is in a place where some shit happens, like, a volcano erupts or, like, a demon emerges and this statue just, like, banishes it or, like, seals okay. the volcano or something? And then it just goes back to being a statue and it becomes this roadside attraction of people being like, yeah, like this thing, like nobody really knows where it came from. There's rumors that it was tied to this community generations ago. And then one day it just like sealed a volcano. Okay, this is awesome because what this means is as the world shifts, right, and this statue stays in one place, many communities over the course of time would get to know this being. So the myths around it would be various and different based on the culture that's currently in that area, yeah. right? Yeah, like yeah. some people would view it as a god. Some people might view it as like, oh God, we we can't, we, we have to be good people or this thing might smite it's us. It's like you an know? ominous reminder, yeah. At the end of the day, what is it? What do we know it is? Hey, hey listeners, it's Aaron, it's Aaron from the Future, editing, editing with a quick, quick clarification. When I'm using the word it, it's, it's to reference the landmark, the statue. The pronouns we rolled on a second ago, we about to dive in. I just wanted to clarify, I love you, bye. Fuck. You know, what is yeah. this thing? Is it actually a statue, and sometimes the statue is inhabited by, like, some outer being? What if it's inhabited by chaos elementals? 
Okay. Which are magical beings that appear in, like, moments of, like, great import. Yeah, what if this literally is just, like, tying into that, like, weird Elden Ring kind of aesthetic? What if this wasn't originally, like, a statue statue and it was just, like... One of those rock formations that kind of looks like a statue and then like was inhabited by a mythical being like stood up and people were like, oh, I guess that was supposed to be a human statue or like a a person statue when really it's just like a weird fucking rock formation that like an ethereal being like inhabited, smashed some shit up and then just like left and left somewhere in the wood. So what's dope is that, uh, take you back to the Chaos Elemental episode, we said that some of them are like, I want to align myself with the will of the planet and, you know, promote life and things like that. Some of them don't. Some of them are like, I'm going to do whatever the fuck that I want. I'm a being of godlike power. Like, sort of creating this weird pantheon in our world. Some of them would be assholes. Some of them would be kind. Some of them would be like, you know, each one has a certain moral code. Yeah. We know that they are literally like essence of magic made being, but they all have their own fucking sentience. Who is this one? (sighs) Benevolent? Malevolent? Arrogant. Arrogant. Ooh. So is this like a, this is, is this the deity of a capital H hero? I think so, because I imagine what this is. As I'm scrolling, I saw some some fan art for the loathsome bun eater, and it's all just made of hamburger buns. It's great. <laughs> it's great. Twitter user uh, Jimmy Links G I B I L I N X. Like, good job. I'm I'm happy for this. Um, I think that this is quite literally the only vibe I can get for this elemental being that inhabited this this thing. Is hey, do y'all want to see some sick shit? I fuck with this. Something that we talk about a lot on the show is like gods right yeah but we we've always shied away from like creating not like an official pantheon but we've never talked about like god in the sense of thor where thor is like a being of not human has magic power but it's just like a other other dimensional otherworldly essentially a chaos chaos elemental is that where it's like this godlike power being that can do whatever it wants. There's no, like, organized pantheon. They don't really talk. Maybe they do sometimes, but it's not that. But if I, a person on fucking fantasy, ever watched this being of pure energy and power flying across the sky, I'd be like, holy shit, it's a fucking god. And, like, these are moments where I feel like this is a perfect example of, like, this statue, this being, this thing is what inspired so many capital H dungeon crawling murder fucking adventurers that we love to make fun of on this podcast. And it's and it's entirely because this like elemental being, like this statue, the statue is the thing that inspired people and it's entirely cuz this magical being said, "Hey, do y'all want to see something really fucking cool? I'm going to inha- I'm going to turn this thing into a statue." And you see that demon that is, like, flying here to obliterate this town? Like, watch this. Inhabits the statue and, like, wears it like a suit of armor. Brings up, like, a sword, like a Buster Sword style, like, <laughs> smashes down on a thing. And then just, like, goes and, like, puts it back. And, like, people that, like, don't see the the elemental being that inhabited it because it is a magical thing. Just see the statue come to life and smash a demon with a big stone sword. But, like, the the element, the magical being is just like, <laughs> that fucking kicked ass. That ripped. I'm so fucking cool. I 
love this so much because that would inspire generations of that kind of attitude with adventuring of like, you know, what is protecting a town? Violence. It's doing a cool thing. Yeah. Yeah. Using your power to do a cool thing and commit an act of violence. Tabletop dungeon crawler style. Crunk. And you see this big stone statue that arises every now and again just because this this deity is kind of an arrogant asshole. Just kind of an asshole. Loves the adoration. Because I feel like every time, because we said that this, we said originally, a statue comes to life when the town needs it most. And I feel like the stories, the myths, the, the adoration for this being and people being like, oh my God, thank you. You saved us from the, the purple worm. You saved us from the giant, you know, bear monster. That's what keeps this thing afloat. Yeah. Because it would kind of cement them in one history and two in one place so that everybody telling a different story about them might either give them more power or just it, it just keeps them immortal, essentially. Yeah, I think it's great. I think that's that 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 rules. Do they have a name? Their name is uh, the last time it was Guzan of <laughs> Guzan Uzvelt, which is wild. <laughs> it can be the naming convention for Chaos Elementals is Bananarama. Uh, I think this one is. I'm gonna go with Haxatar Obliterus. Haxatar Obliterus is incredible for the name of a. What do people think they're the god of? Heroism, adventurer. Like they think they Oof. are the god of adventurers. So. A thing that I'd like to say is, across the world, this story of Haxatar Obliterus, the god of adventure, people carry charms with, like, images of Haxatar, like a stone statue. People carry it, like, around there. If you're an adventurer and you don't have, like, a ring that has Haxatar Obliterus on it, or a necklace, or if it's not engraved into your blade, it is, like, the sign of, like, a club of fucking people who are like, oh, yeah, I'm about that fucking life. I go out and I adventure and I dungeon dive, and Haxatar Obliterus is right there with me, protecting me. So I think that that it's not that you envision that Haxatar is protecting you. It is that I am going to do this thing, and it's going to, to impress Haxatar. Like, yeah, like I'm going to do something that is so cool that Haxatar is going to like approvingly nod at me. I want validation from Haxatar Obliterus is what they want, and the 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 idea is. If enough heroic deeds are done in this world, Haxatar will come back. I know that's Jesus-y, but I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Is it because we're asking, we're saying that people want Haxatar's validation, right? Yes. But then what, how do you know if you get it? I think it's a little bit of like of like if I am cool like Haxatar is going to give like me immortality and I will come back. It's like a you come back after death, right? Because the statue oh, came because back. Haxatar does. Happy Easter, y'all. A hero can never a hero <laughs> can never truly die, and therefore if I am sick enough, oh. I, I will ride with Haxatar into infinity. <laughs> Yo, this rules. Because if Haxatar Obliterus, the deity of adventure, and I put that in air quotes, is basically fed and kept immortal and kept alive by myths and stories of, of their dope deeds, people would think the same. That like, yo, even if I perish. If my myth is spread all over the world, I ride forever with Haxatar Obliterus. <laughs> There's this idea of an afterlife where you're like on a fucking motorcycle with Haxatar Obliterus. Now, do you know what the funniest part is? All of this? The fact Everything. that this started with us talking about carnivals? Um, so because we said that like <laughs> Chaos Elementals 
appear out of the magical ether at like moments of importance. Yeah. It means that they're not necessarily wrong. <laughs> no, wait, go on. There's there's both a tragedy and kind of a hilarious uh truth to the idea that like this the magical being that powered the statue, Haxatar himself, might appear <laughs> to you if you do something. Or might like be present and like will never the tragedy is that they will never like actually interact because like all of those things are just myth. But like there is like a very real possibility that like through the magical ether, this entity that embodies like the worst adventure impulses might be there to like give you an approving nod. Okay, so what this tells me. Tell me if I'm incorrect. Haxatar Obliterus, which is the fucking funniest name for an adventuring god, can only for Haxatar exi- for Haxatar can only exist on fantasy if they are inhabiting the stone statue. Yeah, they, that is the only way that they physically interact. But do they actually appear and give people like a fucking thumbs up? <laughs> I think that they like. I think it's through the magical <laughs> the smile ether. of Haxatar Obliterus is what all adventurers seek. Yeah, that's the thing that you seek <laughs> is the nod and the the, the, the finger guns of Haxatar Obliterus. <laughs> so the Robert Redford nodding man. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and the tragedy is that like, there's no magic that comes with that. No. No, you get you're you're just pretty much telling you that a shithead is acknowledging a shit game respect game from one shithead to another. Like, and that's the that's the tragedy that's the tragedy that befalls adventurers is that you chase this idea that like you chase this idea that you might be a hero and the thing that you're chasing this entity that like and the entity that you are chasing the approval of might just show up. Like, it is the equivalent of just, like, getting a famous person to like your tweet. You're, at the end of it, you're oh. just like, well. <laughs> oh, God, I hate this. But it's like a celebrity that you didn't expect. Where, like, some celebrity that has, like, really scary ideals is like, <laughs> I support your tweet. You're like, ah! Like, I think sometimes it's like, I feel like sometimes the myth of Haxatar Obliterus is, <laughs> I can't not say it and fucking not laugh. Um is that people are like, yo, be careful with your dun- with your dungeon diving. You know, the last thing that you want is a nod from Haxatar Obliterus. And I feel like it's seen by some as like, you know, you think you're doing something really heroic. But if you get this, how do you know? Is it a feeling you get? Is there a sign? Is it like, Im- like a-, a symbol of Haxatar Obliterus is like emblazoned on your armor or weapon when you've done something that pleases them? <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? Like, all of a sudden you get, like, a branded weapon. You're like, oh, no. <laughs> I got a, I got an idea. Okay. What if you just straight up, like, you do a thing that, like, and this truly happens, like, once a generation, right? Yes. Like, it's not just every time somebody, like, kicks down a door and scares no, off, no, no, no. like, a... This is, like, Peepaw Rumpelstuff is going into the tomb of the Forgotten Bog, and, you know, steals the icy spear of goddamn, and all of a sudden, what? <laughs> just straight up, like, like straight up, like, holds it, and then just, pa-pow, is blasted by a lightning bolt. They're knocked off of their feet. And when they come to, they have, like, a symbol, like, emblazoned on their armor, or, like, they have this symbol that is emblazoned that is, like, the equivalency of, like, a seal of approval. But it also does involve you being struck by lightning. 
Okay, so you are actually acknowledged. Do people think, some people think of it as cool, right? Obviously, this oh, would be like World of Warcraft glowing armor and Orgrimmar of people at uh, Mama Cat and Corby's Pizza being like, yo, I see somebody got their mark from Haxitar. Let's go. And everybody claps and all these terrible people are like, yay. And also, like, there are forgeries, and, like, it's really hard to know, because the only way that you're really gonna know is, like, if the person visibly looks like they were just struck by struck lightning. by fucking lightning, of course. But, like, so there, and so, like, it, it ties into the sort of, like, cheapness of it all, where, like, it kind of means nothing. Oh, it just means you're terrible. It just means that you're an asshole, and so, like, there's yeah. the, the idea that, like, you could also just forge this, and just, like, put this symbol on your armor and be like, haha, look at this. And so it's like, even if you, even if it really happens to you, what do you get from it? I love this. I feel like a big note in, as the age of adventuring came to a close, we talked about the age of adventuring is like what we all in real life think of as like classic D&D, where like you literally just roll up in places and kill everything. Yeah. You know, and you kill monsters, you kill animals, you kill people, you loot, you get weapons, you get armor, you become powerful, blah, 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 blah. It's terrible. But if that age came to an end, is it because Haxatar Oblivious, <laughs> Obliterous, <laughs> was it because their statue was destroyed or did people just stop wanting that kind of approval from Haxatar? What was like, is there a catalyst? If gods were real once and belief is power, I think it literally is just people forgot. eventually people forgot and eventually that statue stopped oh. rising and it just people forgot where it was the statue is yeah. still around but now it moves around the world because it's got nothing attached to it yeah so that god can only be made tangible if people believe in haxatar obliterus their yeah. story their myth is what keeps them able to embody the statue so if no one believes in your bullshit anymore you're just floating around the world like a regular piece of fucking rock under my sneaker. Yeah. Fuck Haxatar Obliterus. Fuck Haxatar Obliterus. I want to dive more into gods once at some point, like through the course of this, because we have opened a motherfucking can of worms that there are literal gods. Like we kind of invented it and we've implied it, but like some people view these beings as gods and that's dope. And it would explain why everybody was terrible. Everybody was just following the following the good way of Haxatar Obliterus. I love this so much. That's sick. Oh, God, that was amazing. Uh, thank you so much to Ace the Ace and TG Reaver for their incredible prompts. Uh, damn, that is a wrap. Damn, we did it. That kicked ass. It kicked ass. That went some place. This show, this is why I like it. I was laughing to myself before we recorded at like how Samuel Gord actually came to be was us being like, okay, so there's a town. Uh, and then it just spun out of control. This is another example of that snowball type of feeling yeah. where it started as carnivals ended with, you know, it is okay. So I'm fully going to call myself out. This is that meme that someone made of me where it's the guy from Sailor Moon catching a butterfly saying, is this, an, is this a god? <laughs> is this For a me, god? Literally any prompt, Aaron goes, is this a god? Is this a god? <laughs> and the answer is yes. Uh, if you'd like to submit a prompt to our podcast, uh, there's a lot of ways you can do it. And what are you waiting for? You have so many cool ideas that we can come and ruin or work with you. <laughs> you can tweet at us at AMFC underscore podcast using the hashtag fantasy children. You can post them to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash all my fantasy children. You can email them to us at all my fantasy children at gmail.com. Uh, you can go to bit.ly slash AMFC discord and drop them in the prompt submission channel. Or 
Uh, you can write a note on a piece of paper. Yeah. Uh, set that piece of paper on the wind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, if it's a good prompt, it'll land in our it'll land on our doorstep. And if it if it doesn't land on our doorstep, then it wasn't a good prompt. You know, your <laughs> dreams will carry it to us. But if it's a bad prompt, they will carry it to the trash. <laughs> <laughs> they will carry it to hell where it belongs. <laughs> where it belongs. Um, all my fantasy children is proud to be a part of the One Shot Podcast Network. The One Shot Podcast Network is an incredible collective of badass motherfuckers and baller artists that create tabletop-adjacent content that makes the space a more inclusive, adventure-filled, and uh, well-informed place to be, which is what we're all after, isn't it? You can find everything One Shot Podcast at oneshotpodcast.com. Jeff has another podcast, if I haven't said that word enough. By the way, what you're listening to is a podcast. A podcast is an audio medium called The Podcast. But Jeff's other podcast has a different name. What's the name of your podcast, Jeff? Uh, Party of One is a is a podcast where I play <laughs> role playing games. Uh, we play two player role playing games. It's a it's a podcast where every week I sit down with a friend. We play a two player role playing game. We share some laughs, maybe a few tears, and we have a really good time. New episodes drop every week at partyofonepodcast.com. Gosh, it's a good podcast. Wonder if they play role playing games on it. Who knows? It's hard Who to knows? say. It is hard to say. Um, do you have a verbal hug this week? Every episode, we love to give our listeners and ourselves a nice verbal hug before we go about our adventuring date, before we all honor the <laughs> honor the great deity Haxatar Oblivious <laughs> and go about our adventures. Let's see. Do I have a verbal hug? You can say fucking no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. Fuck it. Fuck, fuck <laughs> it and fuck you. Um, here's what I'm going to say. Actually, I'm going to go a slightly different route. Uh, if you're working on something, if you're working on a project, if you're working on a, a thing, if you're making something, regardless of what it is, be self-indulgent. Hell yeah. Get like, allow yourself to just like, like Aaron, like you said with the, with the meme of, is this a God? Like <laughs> allow yourself. And like, like I did it with roadside attractions on this episode where mm-hmm. I was like, this is just a thing that I like enjoy. It jam. is just a weird little thing. That I find fascinating. Marge Simpson, I just think they're neat. Yes. Just like allow yourself to play and to indulge and to be self-indulgent because like it's just these like at the end of the day that that making things is a self-indulgent act. And so we may as well make the things that like bring us the most joy possible. Absolutely. What you're saying is the truest thing ever. It's it's the logic of. I hopefully you enjoy this podcast, listener, but you enjoy it because you're enjoying us experiencing the joy of creating this thing. We like making it, and therefore we pass the savings of happiness along to you. It's it's something where I'm like, yo, if this is your bullshit, lean into your bullshit. You you should never be getting back on your bullshit because that means you got off of your bullshit. So stay on said bullshit and develop the things that make you happy. I love stuff of outer fucking gods and deities and things ancient evil sealed away jeff loves roadside attractions and detective stories and shit like that and that's Uh why it's everywhere in the show and there's no harm in that just welcome it into your heart it is a it is a thing that like like our fingerprints are on this thing and they are unmistakably ours and that makes the show better yes like, and it, the stuff that we engage with all the time steals from their favorite things all the fucking time. I'm playing Elden Ring right now. There's literally a race of long-lived humans that are magic called the fucking Newman. 
I was like, oh, somebody clearly likes Tolkien. And that's great. So I'm like, yes, like, pull from the things you love. Lean into the things you love. Even if the same... We've talked about Outer Gods now and maps a bunch of fucking times. Do I care? No, because that's what this show is all about. It's going, this is what's in my head this week. Let's develop it and put it in our world. So get on your own. My verbal hug to you is stay on your bullshit. Don't get back on your bullshit. Get on that bullshit and then stay on it. Like a mechanical yeah, bull. absolutely agree. Like... On your bullshit is a good way to be. Um, by the way, if you've listened to this far in the podcast, something I'm going to request from you, my verbal hug is, hi, I would love for you to tell us what you think of the podcast, whether it's in a review or just tweet at us. If you've gotten to this episode, part of the episode, say, hey, I'm at 50 minutes in. I love this shit. Get on hashtag get on your bullshit. But just let us know that you're let enjoying it because I need that. It mean and yeah, it means a lot hearing that people like a thing. It's like, true. <laughs> like it is, and that that is, and that is like self indulgent. Like we're, we're indulging ourselves and in saying like, "Hey, I make this in part so that like people enjoy it, and it would make me happy to hear you say you enjoy it." So if you enjoy it, I would like to hear you say that. It's true, but also Jeff, keep in mind that if our fingerprint and there's so much of ourselves in this show, it is deeply personal. Yeah, like we're letting you guys in into like our personal fucking psyche and the things that make us happy and telling stories about it. Like that is deeply personal. We're not like telling the fucking news and weather. So hearing that like, oh, I loved that shit is is nice because there's so much of us and the things that bring us joy and passion in this project that it would mean the world. So, yeah. Hell yeah, it's it's not, it's it's indulgent in the fact that, like, I love this show, we love making it, there's so much of us in it. If you like it, let a motherfucker know, because we need it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is that all we do on this podcast? I think that's all we do, god damn. Damn, the show bangs. Oh, I can't wait to record an audio. Oh yeah, by the way, at the end of this, listen past the credits. Everything after Dr. Ace and the Soul Tree has an audio extra. Uh, so listen beyond the closing music, and you'll hear from my ass again doing something, either dramatic or funny. Hell yeah. And I think um, that's all we do. Yeah. All right. Well, then until next time, good, good night, night and, and good, good game. game. Welcome, everybody. Now, come on down. There's still plenty of room down by the stage. Come on down. Come closer, closer, closer. All right. Let's get this show started. Now, first of all, I'd love to introduce myself. My name is Janice Ice Lancer. And yes, I am an adventurer. Now, how many of you out there have ever felt lost? Ever felt downtrodden like you were looking for something you just couldn't find? Yeah, I can't oh, find shit. Fuck yeah. Now, what if I were to tell you that there was a way to find meaning in your adventuring, to find power and inner peace in your dungeon diving and random acts of violence? How would you feel about that? That sounds dope. Let's go. Fuck yeah. Well, if that sounds good to you, I got to introduce you to a good friend of mine that discovered me a long time ago when I was in a low place. Their name is Haxatar Obliterus. Two, three, four. Well, when I dive into dungeons, into caves dark and deep, when my hopes are all but shattered, that's when you 
You winked at me. Oh, your smile keeps me moving when my HP is at three. And when my mana is all but empty, I look up and you see me. Oh, Hexataro Blitteris. How your smile sets me free when I'm killing all the things. Your power enters me and the violence comes so easy when you're walking next to me. Oh, wow. Is there one? Set of footprints that I see was it because Hexatar was carrying me. Don't forget to grab a pamphlet and always remember when you're committing acts of violence in a cave, dungeon, tomb, or random fucking place, don't forget to look for that smile from Hexataro Obliterus.